Blog Talk Radio. And live from uh, studios in Washington, D.C., Studio 111 via Radio Saigon. This is Fanatic Radio, blogtalkradio.com's premier sports music program. I am your host, Mike Gardner, and joining with me is the notorious Ben Florence. Hello. As we are uh, on Blog Talk Radio and simulcast syndicated across the country on BFL360.com and Grandstand U. We have a great show for you on hand. Beautiful day outside. But we, instead, we bring you uh, the uh, talk of the Masters. We finally put an end on the NCAA basketball tournament. Yes, we did. And we'll have some NBA playoff talk as that starts next week. That's right. But um, first off, I uh, want to say it's good to be back. Uh, right. I want to thank. Yeah, you were, uh, I want to thank Flo uh-huh. for. Uh, Texas. I want to thank Flo for uh, taking one for the team. Great show last week. Oh, you're too good. Got some good content. Uh, Listen to Flo's uh, breakdown of the Deshaun Jackson signing. And, some other greatness. And uh, a couple of shout outs to uh, many many radio shows on WFAN. <laughs> But uh, it's nice to see you, Flo. How are you doing today? I am doing great. Uh, enjoying the awesome weather. Uh, I'm done with classes. I don't have class till Monday now. It's the weekend. I'm so excited. And, uh, yeah, everything's just coming up. Everything's great. As Bar Kelly once said, it's the freaking weekend, and baby, about to have me some fun. So what we'll be doing this weekend <laughs> is tuning in to CBS to right. listen to and watch as some say, the prestigious golf tournament of all time. A tradition unlike any other, the Masters, CBS. Shout out to our, uh, your good friend, Jim Nance. Uh, the Masters is going on right now. As Bubba Watson, former winner, leading uh, so far, he is, I think, I think he's, he is done for the day. Mm-hmm. But looking good for him. Other notables up in the top, Fred Couples, uh, Mike Weir, and that's pretty much it. A lot of no names I don't know. One name that's actually not in the tournament uh, this year. Uh, that's not it. Mike, where's the former winner as well? That's right. He won, uh, what, in 2004? That was a while ago. He's been I think so, yeah. Really hasn't done much of late. Exactly. Notable, though, that's yeah, not in the tournament. Uh, to the disappoint- disappointment of everyone right. else is Tiger Woods. That's right. Missing a ma- first Masters. I think the first time ever. Yeah, since the uh, first time he's not been the Masters since 1994. Dang, I was two years old then. I was uh, I was one. 
Yeah, uh, but so far there's been some great uh, content, especially on ESPN.com. Gene Ronkowski writes uh, wrote a column this week saying uh, you should basically watch it and not worry that Tiger Woods isn't in it. Of course. Considering last year, a uh, big controversy with the ball drop. That's right. As He was in the hunt last year, wasn't he? Absolutely was. He's been – the thing is with Tiger Woods, he's been in the hunt, but he's whenever you think he's about to make the run that everyone thinks he will make, just uh, shooting off birdies left and right, he would just never get it done. And thus, um, so he's been in the hunt, but I think it speaks to – Perhaps his decline quality as a player. He's still coming to this tournament, the number one player in the world. Still the best player in the world, but he, I don't think he's as feared as he once was. Yeah, his injuries. An interesting uh, column by Rick Riley was saying, he's, he's talking, yeah, I know, right? He's talking <laughs> about uh, uh, Jack Nicholas and Tiger Woods. Apparently, Tiger is still very close. Nicholas actually went on the record saying that Woods still is has the capability to uh, pass him for the most majors. But, uh, of course, that's probably not going to happen because it's interesting. Riley wrote that uh, Nicholas, Nicholas had three injuries total coming at around 45 in the 50s and then finally in the 60, 40, uh, 60 years old before he retired. And Tiger Woods has already had four, and he's not even like 40. That's right. So, uh, happy, sad Tiger's on the Masters? Um, I think it definitely – I think, obviously, you know, CBS will be sad because we, we know the ratings when Tiger Woods is in the hunt in any tournament, they just shoot up. Because he is the household name that golf. Well, not not necessarily the sole household name. He is the star that golf really doesn't have besides him. Somebody that if he's in the hunt, he'll carry the ratings. The next closest guy is uh, Phil Mickelson, who has been great thus far and really has struggled in the 2014 season, which actually now opened in 2013 for what it's worth. But uh, with uh, I think without Tiger. Uh, I think people could be making it too much like, oh, it's going to be a terrible tournament without Tiger. Now you have a golf tournament where you're not going to be like, oh, where is Tiger? Uh, when is he going to make his run at the leaderboard? Uh, I think it makes it a, a, even more uh, enjoyable. I mean, I always enjoy watching the Masters and golf in general. But I think it gives it now that Tiger's not out of it without a known, like a certain contender, that it would um, – it, it could make it even more exciting, potentially more wide open. It's good because eventually Tiger Woods is not going to be in golf anymore. Exactly. Or as good as he is winning a, winning a few tournaments last year. Uh, still hasn't won a major, though, since that U.S. Open, which I still find uh, surprising but not surprising. Mm-hmm. Any other notables out there that could make a run? Defending winner Adam Scott is in the mix. Uh, yeah. Lefty's not doing so well. I'm surprised Bubba Watson's doing well. Yeah, he had, he was awesome today. He uh, was minus four today. Actually, at one point, was at eight on her. Now he's at seven under after he bogeyed on uh, 18. So, but then you got Bill Haas, who uh, was in the lead uh, yesterday. Uh, he was at minus four. Uh, Fred Couples is starting to make a run up the board. He's, will uh, we see a no-name win it like in years past, or will Big Name win it? Um, I think uh, the guy I picked to win it was uh, Henrik Stenson, who has been – Really played great golf of late, but he really hasn't been much of a contender. Uh, I mean, uh, Adam Scott started a great, but today he's a plus two. He's back at even par. First of all, Adam Scott, quick shout-out to um, Hank Williams, his caddy. 
yes. No, Steve, Steve Williams. Steve Williams. Hank Williams is the uh, the country western right. singer. Yep. Uh, <laughs> uh, whose That's son? Whose son? Whose son is? Are you ready for some football guy? Hank Williams Jr. That's right. Um, Steve yep. Williams. Yep. Shout out to him because uh, he's apparently searching for his fifteenth major as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, or yeah, as a caddy, which is which is fantastic considering he, he was yeah. caddy for um, Scott last year. So you have. Stenson winning it. I had Stenson winning it, but he really has not been uh, that. He's not looked great thus far. I mean, it's still. Uh, I mean, moving day will come tomorrow, but I think that we definitely have a good chance. At, I mean, you look at the leaderboard right now. We got guys like John Senden. Uh, he's in second. You got Thomas Bjorn, Denmark. Uh, I could see Fred Couples. He's currently on thirteen. Yeah, he has uh, he has yet to par a single hole so right. far in this round. Another guy who should, people should watch out for. Uh, and this is a shout out to my hometown and my brother's high school. Jordan Spieth, first Masters. He was PGA uh, Tour Rookie of the Year last year after winning the uh, the John Deere Classic, among others. Uh, did a great job at the uh, the U.S. Open, I think, and uh, also the Byron Nelson. He did a, a fantastic job in those tournaments last year. He currently, in his in his very first Masters, is I think in the top fifteen. Who's this again? Jordan Spieth. Spieth. He's. It looks like he's about fifteenth, fifteenth, fourteenth. He has parred every hole except seven, and now he's on eight. He is a guy to watch out for. Uh, Under Armour's first all-endorsed golfer from Dallas, Texas, Jesuit High School. Uh, shout out to the uh, the Rangers, off of the Toll Road. He is, I think, two years. I think he is your age, Flo. He's your age, and he's someone that, if he stays consistent, he could be in the mix. A person, uh, someone, but I wouldn't be surprised if, uh, if my boy Fred Couples wins. Yeah, I want to. You know, he has looked for over the last few years. Uh, Couples has been in the mix at the Masters, and it's interesting because of you know his age. He's been around for so long, but. Uh, can he win it? I think he definitely could win it. He's looked great thus far. He just bogeyed that. Um, what hole was that? Uh, yeah, he bogeyed on 12, and he's on 13 right now. But he's been he's looked very strong today. He's at minus one of the day, minus two overall. He's in the mix, and he last won the Masters in 1992. I wasn't born then, for what that's worth. Uh, he definitely is a guy that I think could win. You know. It's going to be it, the key for the the Masters. Obviously, is getting into the cut, but tomorrow, moving day, can you set yourself up with a strong performance on Saturday in order to put you in striking distance on Sunday? What do you mean by moving day? What I mean by moving day is that, well, it, basically, you know, at the at the end of today, uh, will be when you have uh, the players uh, that make the cut, so that whittles the field. Uh, I forget by how much, but then moving day really is that's the day where you set up because only on Sunday only so many players will be in contention to win. You'll have a guy out in front, you have a few guys near him, and then there'll be a bit of a. It, it basically separates the contenders from the pretenders, guys that just got in, um, as opposed to guys that will be competing. So you want to have. It's important. Well, obviously, it's important to play well in all rounds, but it's important tomorrow to put you in position to get it done on Sunday. Because sometimes you see guys are feeling out the course, 
they're not playing as aggressive now, but then once they make the cut, you'll start seeing guys make moves, start getting more aggressive, and trying to pick up score, uh, pick up shots. Yeah, so the Masters uh, concludes on Sunday, mm-hmm. and we're following that all weekend. Uh, fortunately, Flo and I are not members of Augusta National. No, Roger Goodell not. apparently is. Is he really? Yeah, I saw uh, photos on uh, CNN with uh, him in the green jacket, which is very interesting. <laughs> Only a matter of time before we get up in the upper echelon. So watch the Masters. Uh, very exciting. Then you can watch 60 Minutes afterwards. That's right. That's right, as I told you in class. Exactly. Or, you go, or, or we will be taping SportsZone afterwards so you get complete uh, post, uh, post-match post results, post-tournament results. I know I know you'll be excited. Yeah. I mean, I'm a, I, I'm a secret golf fan because I love watching tournaments like basically the majors, mm-hmm. the Masters. Yeah. Um, U.S. Open is always another good one, considering it was here in the D, in the D.C. area right. not too long ago. When McElroy dominated. Yeah, exactly. Uh, where has he been? Uh, he is, uh, I believe, he, where is he? He is, he's been not great. He's at plus one thus far. He hasn't teed off yet for round two, if I read that correctly. Yeah, no, or, you know, he's not, he's on round two part. I read the uh, thing wrong. He teed off at two o'clock. So he, uh, he's tied for 15th at uh, plus one. I know he's even par. I'm completely botching reading today, so that's great. But he—he's a guy. Everyone has always talked about McIlroy, the next big star of the sport. But he's never had a top 15 in the Masters. We all remember what happened a few years ago when he was having a brilliant day, a brilliant uh, tournament, looked to be the favorite to win, and then he completely fell apart in the back nine. I think that was what 2011. Yeah, recent. Recent yeah. with this collapse. Oh well. Uh, don't be surprised if a no-name wins it, but hopefully I have Fred Couples, so let's see what he can do. So that concludes our Masters talk. Yep. Solid golf talk. We'll go, to college, we'll go to college basketball now. Finally, hey, hey. finally bury the hatchet on that. UConn wins dual national championships, men's and women's, uh, as the, uh, the senior-led Shabazz Napier's team, or if, uh, Kevin Ollie, uh goes into North Texas, wins, beats a uh, Kentucky team, which we were surprised but weren't surprised, made the tournament. Oh, you are living la vida loca. So now they are king of the mountain for the second time in four years, apparently. That's right. Surprise, UConn won a seven-seed, very under-seeded seven-seed. Yeah, uh, I was definitely surprised that they won on on Monday. Uh, I had Kentucky. I thought Kentucky with how well they have played. But UConn, not only did they get great performance from their guards, but they really kind of out-physical, that's not a word, but they completely a more physical game that Kentucky really wanted to play. Kentucky couldn't get Julius Randle going. It would seem there would be time. It was interesting how the game ended because uh, Kentucky is a team, they start, they start, would start slowly, they did in the first half. They would make a little run in the second half and then in, uh, at the end of the first half. And then the second half, they'll be back and forth. They'll look like they're out of it. They'll make a big run. They made a big run, but then uh, Connecticut held on the whole way, and especially down the stretch with how physical they were playing, how uh, they really manhandled the Wildcats down the stretch. It was really impressive to watch, and then Kentucky at the end couldn't get couldn't get their chances together, and thus was uh, 
It was uh, Connecticut that was on top there. Now four for four in championships. And uh, but uh, yeah, Kevin Ollie, Shabazz Napier, uh, Boatwright, uh, DeAndre Daniels, and the rest of the gang are your national championships for 2014. All right, so congrats to UConn, a uh, surprise team considering they got blown out by uh, Louisville in the American Conference. But here's what uh, Kentucky coach John Calipari had to say on pretty much taking a team of all freshmen into the Final Four, let alone the national championship. I can't tell you. Even in that loss, how proud. can't believe what these guys got done together. Talking about a bunch of young kids that just went out there and believed and believed in each other and just kept fighting. Um, you know, I, I needed to do a better job for these kids today because they needed more help in this. You could tell early on they were feeling the game. And one of the things, we tried some stuff, pick and roll. Obviously, it didn't work. We had to play zone tried to get their sweat to dry a little bit, let make them less aggressive, and it worked. And these guys performed, and they come back. Let's stay in the zone, coach. But late in the game, we, you know, we went at James Young. We tried doing different things, but we didn't have enough answers for these guys to finish that team. Their guard play was outstanding. But, again, we had our chances, and that's all you can ask of your basketball team. I feel like he always says that about all the teams that – fail to win or even when he won the national championship uh he's pr- proud of the guys the young guys are nervous yeah uh but he but he plays the system gets the mcdonald's all americans now the question is uh first off for the game did calipari blow it i don't know if calipari blew it i just think that the players they they seem surprised by how strong of a team connecticut was and how well they came out and play. I think that, you know, you look at this Kentucky team, it seemed like they thought they were going to win. They had, they had all these big wins, all the skins lined up on the wall, the teams they have beaten on and root. And it's certainly, even though uh, it actually, UConn technically had a tougher stretch to get there, but I think Kentucky saw themselves as a superior team. I don't think Calipari blew it, and everyone uh, hates on Calipari because he gets the one-and-done guys, which any other coach, the thing is, if they could get those guys, they would recruit them as well. Maybe the same way, yeah. Exactly. So he's not cheating the system. He's taking advantage of the system for what it is. Well, it's not the fact that he's uh, – it's not the system, but uh, coaching-wise, yeah. uh, interesting that – they cut it to one multiple times in that game. They did, and they couldn't get over the tongue. Right, down by down by four, and decided not to foul. I think he put way too much trust in a team that had never been there before. Yeah, and so now the question is, what happens next year? And but what was interesting with the decision not to foul, but they ultimately did foul. My my theory on this, I didn't have a problem with them not fouling, but if you're not gonna foul. Don't don't wait 20 seconds and then foul. Either you foul right away or you play it out. I didn't really – a lot of people were, uh, you know, critical of having them play it out, and then they ultimately got the foul down the stretch. I, I didn't have a problem with that because they were actually playing good defense. The problem with them was – I forget the guy, but then the guy tried to send a double, and then that completely blew up because they were – James Young? Yeah, it was Young. Young uh, went out to uh, try to double. I think it was I think it was Napier, and he fed it to I don't remember who. Who then picked up? Who then got the foul? 
And essentially at that point, the game was basically over. If you're going to play it out, just play it out. Wait for the other team, because Connecticut was going to wait. But the, the, when you wait like that, the, the, you run the risk of waiting too long to get a good look, and then all of a sudden there's no time to shot. You panic. That's why you will see teams not foul, because the other team will get complacent, either expect a foul or they try to force something, and then or down the stretch make a key mistake. I think that Calipari did get out coached by Kevin Ollie in this game. Which is surprising to me. Which is absolutely surprising. Considering Kevin Ollie had never been to the tournament before. Exactly. Uh, the UConn team, for fans listening that follow college basketball, a team that couldn't even play last year. Because uh, a great quote by uh, Shabazz Napier afterwards mm-hmm. saying, uh, this is what happens when you, uh, you ban us. First of all, it's not us that banned you. You guys banned yourselves by well, being you know, academically lower than NCAA standards. And also another reason, I do want to touch on this because please do. Uh, both my dad and I were talking about when we were watching the game, and I saw a great article on the 538. So, uh, stupid Kentucky missed free throws again. It's, I don't know what it is with Calipari's teams, but they put up more bricks they do. Than, exactly. like, than like I forgot Wayne Mansion. I mean, they, it's, it's ridiculous. They were, I think the, uh, the stat was 13 of 24. That's the reason why Memphis didn't win the national championship, which that team definitely should have. The team was... Derrick Rose and Chris Douglas Roberts. They, they and, would, and they, they, they should have won that game. They would have iced it if Derrick Rose had made that free throw. Didn't make it. Mario Chalmers comes, hits the three at the horn. Yep, and now and Mario Chalmers is fighting for his life in the NBA, and Derrick Rose isn't playing this year. That's right. So Memphis should have won that <laughs> year. I think the John Wall year missed free throws, in which they got knocked down in the Elite Eight, ironically to UConn. And this year, 13 of 24, that is, that's what, nine free throws missed? 13 of 24, that's 11. Jeez, 11 free, that's, 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 that's a win right there. That Kentucky team could have won the national championship. I agree. I wouldn't have been surprised if they did. I'm, actually, I'm, I'm, first of all, I'm glad because I'm glad Shabazz Napier and UConn, UConn wins. So I tweeted this a couple of days ago. That's what happens when you stay four years in school. You get the experience. They could, if Napier, Daniels, Boatwright, they could have left. They could have gone out early. Said so they put trust in Kevin Ollie and what Jim, first of all, I love Jim Calhoun to Kevin Ollie is sort of like Pete Carroll to Mike Brennan. Ah. He is still around, sort of as the sensei in the stands, critiquing Ollie's work, yeah, and it actually worked. But yes, dude, Kentucky, Kentucky makes free throws. Absolutely. They win. Absolutely. I mean, exactly. That's one thing you always talk about. You're leaving points on the board when you miss free throws. Too many, teams. yeah. Exactly. Those are, you know. Because UConn wasn't that good of a the, team. Well, I think UConn play. was a very good, I think UConn was a pretty good team, but I think that you stacked the two teams up, Kentucky was the better team. But and that's why it was so surprising that Kentucky basically got manhandled, especially when Kentucky had all the size they had. But by the way, you do got to give a shout. I mentioned James Young, who had that demolition of a dunk that was that was a badass dunk. Watching that and it took your breath away. That was probably the highlight of the game, which is interesting because they're, they 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 didn't win. But you know that Kentucky team. It, it was interesting. And the biggest stage they would have after they won in the Final Four, Sweet 16, Elite Eight, they made that run, which people said, this is a team that is talented enough to win it all if they get play together, and but they couldn't get it done in the championship. But you got to give UConn a lot of credit. Very good team. They had a brilliant uh, tournament. Kevin Ollie did tr- has done tremendous work, did tremendous work all tournament long. And uh, you got uh, Connecticut on top. 
Yeah, also a funny thing about John Calipari. I love how he compared the NCAA to the Soviet Union. Do you see something on that? I, I did not see that. Basically, after the game, uh, he comes. he's releasing a book very soon. April 15th is when it comes out. Interesting. Uh, it's called Playing Players First, Coaching from the Inside Out, which is an ironic title. Uh, it puts the players first, as in, you know, see them first year and then they're gone. But he uh, basically cites, uh, the situation reminds me of a little like the Soviet Union in its last years. Still powerful, but it could hurt you. But you could see it crumbling, and it was just a matter of time before it either changed or ceased to exist. So after the loss, <laughs> taking shots at the NCAA, yet he's a guy that went, Kyle Parry's a guy that went on the record and said he supports the two-and-done rule. That's right. Which uh, I, I which, which is what myself and Sir Charles Barkley have been lobbying for months. Uh, but now the question is, will these guys from Kentucky stay? Or let alone Kentucky, who are the other big names? So far, the only guys of note that have actually declared for the draft, uh, Graham's Tyler Ennis, which is awful. He should have stayed. Uh-huh. Uh, Zach Levine from UCLA, which is awful. He should have stayed because UCLA could easily be a contender in the Pac-12. And then Andrew Wiggins and Joel Embiid, who did not even play in the NCAA tournament. No, he did not. So who's sort of the next domino to fall or not to fall? Uh, I think everyone's looking at guy. Everyone's looking at or Andrew Wiggins, I believe, is as declared. Yeah, he's 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 declared. Two guys from Kansas, which is surprising. Exactly. I think uh, Jabari Parker is the guy everyone's going to be looking at now. I think he'll stay. I think he's going to stay. I think a loss to Mercer and not winning the ACC title. And knowing that you have a great coach, yeah, an interesting staff. Now Gene Wojciechowski is gone. Yeah. So who coach K will? Steve Wojciechowski. Yeah. Wojciechowski. So uh, who coach K will fill for that vacancy? Uh, potentially a name you've heard come up is uh, Jay Williams of ESPN, which is interesting because a lot of people think he could also be put on a revamped game day, which uh, would you have uh, Digger Phelps retiring. Yeah. Basically a forced retirement. That's what I figured. Then oh, ESPN didn't, just didn't renew his contract. He'll probably be replaced by Seth Greenberg. Now, you'll pro- you could have Jay Williams, but he could possibly pull the Hubert Davis. Yep. Go to Duke, be an assistant, get, be in line for a head coaching job at some point, just like what Hubert Davis did. Because I think if, if Parker stays, guys like Hood, uh, Sulman, is he a senior? Is he still there? Uh, let me take a look. He'll right. stay. If Parker stays, Duke is a very – because a lot of people, like USA Today and the coaches poll, now they have Duke as the preseason number one already next year. And I've seen people predict that even if Jabari Parker goes to the NBA. I've seen uh, I've seen that. But I think I think Jabari Parker will – I think he will stay. I, think, he, I remember, like, reading about him. He always seemed like a guy that – Education first. You wanted to get some semblance of an education, which you what you do get uh, when you at least go for two years. You're at least on path for something. You go one year, you could do take anything. So he'll lucky if he's taking basket weaving. He's going to make 120 million next year. Yeah, and Suleiman is a sophomore, by the yep, way. Yep, I saw that Parker stays. They'll all stay because he is a very good player. He's a guy. Parker's a guy whose draft stock will stay up I all agree. the time. But what about Kentucky? Harrison twins, one or the other. I think I think they'll I think uh I, I think I could, they see, both go. I, I could see them both of them staying. I, I agree. I agree, but I think they'll I think I think they're gonna go with the other. I think they're either gonna stay or they're gonna go. I think if you put a gun in my head and ask me, I would say they'll go. All right. You and I think Randall is a lot to go as well. Yeah. Sad because he's a guy with with, with, some, with at least another year. It could be very good. Of course he's already, already a really raw good. talent. If he came back next year he'd be just be dominant. 
Exactly. So we, we finally closed the book on college basketball. We'll keep you updated in the episodes to come. Then the months coming up about guys who are leaving, uh, staying, uh, excited to see how they do in combines and workout camps. Uh, Pee Wee Gardner is staying for his final year, so American fans can breathe a sigh of relief. Thankfully. Exactly. But uh, we'll be back. We'll talk some NBA playoffs and uh, the Oscar Pistorius trial. Some mm. little uh, legal justice as Fnatic Radio holds court right <laughs> after this. Fnatic Radio, you're ready to break the pain. <laughs> the reason you wake up on game day and put on your team's cars. Fnatic Radio on Block Talk Radio. Fanatic Radio is America's premier sports music program. It's an essential part of our society, like hot dogs and Cadillacs. With Mike Gardner and Ben Florence providing unique insight from the wide world of sports. He should just retire so he could dip him in bronze and ship him to the Hall of Fame. Playing only the hottest music. The only thing we ever play on the show is Motown and R&B. And always striving for perfection. We're climbing the ladder to success, escalator style. Yes! See for yourself. Check out Fanatic Radio only on Blog Talk Radio. Boundaries, I will try to not 
They're playing, we could go undefeated. The reason you wake up on game day and put on your team's colors. Fanatic Radio on Log Talk Radio. Put your flag up in the sky. Back on Fanatic Radio, Block Talk Radio. Premier sports music programs we get across the country on uh, FIFA 316 Grandstand U. Basically, this song is We Are One, the new World Cup song. Pitbull featuring Jennifer Lopez. So, uh, when the going gets tough, the tough get going. One love, one life, one world, one fight. If you could think of a worse song to have for the World Cup, please write to us at. I don't know. I'm Neil Diamond at com. Yeah, that's the World Cup song. My brother hates it, saying he doesn't like it how FIFA is just trying to use uh, Sony as, as the sponsor to bring in sort of a a popular name, a pop culture name. And ultimately the lyrics go, uh, Pitbull saying ole ole, and talk about One Nation. And funny, when Jennifer Lopez starts singing, she talks about like, how teams are fighting. It's like, teams, are, I don't think she's you know, seen the World Cup. Teams, it's, not, it's pretty bad to fight. I mean, it's like fighting spirit, but still. Soccer is the beautiful game. And you have Mr. 305 singing the official song, which I don't understand why they didn't. I don't understand why they didn't have Shakira do it, considering she lives in the continent that the World Cup is hosting. It's such a joke. Because people in J-Lo already sung a song like a year and a half ago. Yeah, they, they've done a couple songs. They did On the Floor, and which is a great song. And they did another song, I think, uh, another J-Lo song that Pitbull was featured on. Yeah, it's like it's, it's got to stop. First of all, the World Cup is not even going to be in Brazil. There's no way they're going to finish in time. Uh, it's coming to America. Uh, speaking of which, the USA is 0-0-1 in their Popsicle Firecracker jerseys. They, they tied Mexico. Yeah, and now Pitbull is singing the World Cup song. You're a Pitbull fan. Yeah, Pitbull uh, is kind of a guilty pleasure of mine, if I can say so myself. Uh, you know, his crap is easy to listen to. It's you know, it's not, catchy. Some it's of catchy. some of his old stuff is very good, I have to say that. Yeah, but this and, this is and, this and, and is I've heard, I remember my roommate last year, the legendary Nick Neighbors. Talked about that he had some old like Pitbull stuff before he when he was more of a rapper and less of like you For know like reggae, band. yeah. Or you know stuff you'll hear in a club because you know how much I uh, I frequent the club the dance clubs. King of Diamonds has Flo's name written all over it. Another sh- another shout out I want to give is earlier this week I think it was on Wednesday 
was the 40th anniversary the 40th anniversary of uh, O. Henry Hank Aaron breaking Babe Ruth's record. Here's the call from that historic night. Here's the pitch by Downing. Swinging. There's a drive into left center field. That ball is going to be out of here. It's gone. It's 7-15. There's a new home run champion of all time, and it's Henry Aaron. Very significant. 7-15. Uh, it's also, also the, I think, uh, the cover of Sports Illustrated as well, that iconic picture. And the clip of Hank Aaron rounding the bases with uh, fans on the field. We need to get that back in the, That's back right. in the mix of baseball. Yes, guy ran. And you know who was the guy that, one of the guys that interviewed him after the game? You could see him with his long white coat, Craig Sager. Ah, how about that? Yeah. That, that who was... said his purple jacket is so last season. But here's, what Hank, right. Hank, here's an interview that Hank Aaron conducted last year about passing the great Bambino. Babe Ruth was an icon, you know, really. And you can say he was a white icon. And the other thing I think that people had not readily accept the idea that he is a black player that is in the major leagues and he just got here. And when I say just got here five or six, ten years ago, Jackie Robinson just got here. And here he is challenging one of the most cherished records in all the sports, you know. So you can look at it two ways, you know. Uh, you can look at it saying a black player, would he have done a white player like that? I don't know. I don't think so, but I think that uh, the reason that they did me like that is simply because of the fact that uh, we were still trying to make our marks. We were still, you know, black players were still trying to come in and make their mark in the major leagues, you know, and people were not, 90% of the people, I wouldn't say 90%, I would say 50% of the people were not accepting that, you know, and I was challenging a Babe Ruth record, ooh, no, that's not... <laughs> so amazing in the time of uh, segregation in which Hank Aaron was playing in Atlanta, the Dirty South. Uh, surprise! Uh, great that he accomplished his feat. Considered the home run king by some. Hence the silence. Wait, what? That was not. But the uh, Sorry. the significance of Hank Aaron's home run record to this day uh, is still is still amazing. Well, except for, for the fact that he got passed by Barry Bonds. Do you believe that? That is where the, the discussion begins for our fans. Well, yeah, but definitely the Hank Aaron thing was, is interesting because what's it, what's, what's, what's really fascinating about uh, Hank Aaron's career is that he was he had a long career, and it was very consistent. He didn't have years where he hit like 60 home runs like Babe Ruth had. Yeah, he actually broke the record at 715 when he was 40 years old. Exactly. And then he still went on to hit 40 more home runs. Very long career, but definitely one of the game's greatest, without question. I mean, nobody's going to deny that Henry Aaron, well, Hank Aaron. Yeah, there's no candy bar named after him. That's right. Who's the player in line to potentially catch up to the Bay or to the Hank? We've got. I think we've got a while to sort that out. I think that the guy that everyone thought was going to be in the mix was uh, Alex Rodriguez. I think now. Oops. I I don't think so. I'm actually going to take a look right now. A guy that could, if he stays healthy, um, if Chris Davis keeps hitting home runs like the way he does mm-hmm. uh, and has a long career and with the uh, the Orioles or whatever team he goes to, he has a legitimate shot. Because how old is he? He's got to be in his like early 20s. Or if he stays healthy, uh, does Mike Trout hit home runs? Um, I, He'll be a home run hitter, but I don't know. Chris, I think Chris Davis could be the next of our generation 
that could pass. It's interesting. The 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 the, the two uh, guys in the uh, rankings are top active players. You know, Alex Rodriguez in fifth. He's at six fifty four. The mark is Barry Bonds at seven sixty two. Alex Rodriguez is thirty eight. Um, I don't think he's going to get there. I really don't. I think it's is with where he's been playing. Who? Alex Rodriguez. Isn't he like done? I think he's essentially done. Who's the next active player? Albert Pujols, Pujols. At, at a 4.94. If Josh Hamilton was also about five years younger, I think he was on pace. Yeah, and the thing now with Pujols, I'd be Pujols could get in the mix, but now in the last couple of years he's been very consistent. He is only 34, which, I mean, we say only 34, but he's also been playing for 14 years and put up those numbers. So if he stays healthy for another eight years, that's... What about Bautista from the Blue Jays? How old is he? Because he's a guy that also could. He's at thirty three. He's at two fifteen. There's no oh, chance. He he bounced. He was a guy that bounced around, and was kind of a you know. But Chris Davis, if he if he makes it into his late thirties, uh, someone that could that could, he could. keep an eye out. Because how many how many did he hit last year? He had like fifty, didn't he? Uh, he may have. He's at one thirty now. Only six hundred to go. How about that? Yeah. Uh, another shout out for He's speaking of speaking of Hall of Fames. Yeah, he Henry Aaron is in the Hall of Fame. Gary Williams, former American University coach, former Maryland Terps coach, inducted into the Naismith Basketball Hall of Fame. Great class, by the way, of uh, Alonzo Mourning, Nolan Richardson, Forty Minutes of Hell. That's right. And uh, the Angel of Stern. How Stern got into the Hall of Fame a year after, not even a year after he retired, is beyond me. But well, it's a good I, class, though. Yeah, it's a very good class. Uh, I think it was interesting. One name that I don't know, I, I'd have to take a look at the uh, basketball, the whole list. Basketball of oh, Fame inducting. I think one name that I, I'm not, I don't know if he's deserving to get in was uh, Mitch Richmond, uh, former Wizards guard. Yeah, very good player. Had a, a very solid career, but I think that you look at his numbers and, you know, the fact that he never was really on it, many winning teams, I don't think that he was a guy. Was he on the Bullets team that won the NBA title with Wes Unstead? I don't think he was. No. Mitch Richmond, 48. Oh, no. That was like, in the, that was like what, 76, 70? That was like mid-late 70s. Yeah, but I mean, he was famous for being on the run TMC teams, Golden State. He was only at Golden State for three years. Then he was in Sacramento, and then Washington. Um, but a very good, a very good player. But I don't, I don't think he was good enough to be in the Hall of Fame. Alonzo Mourning, I definitely think. And I think if Alonzo Mourning had been healthier, I think. Played about. But even then, I, I think I, I think Zoe was a, is, is a worthy Hall of Fame guy. But Rich Richmond. I don't know. I I'm on the fence about that. All right, well, congrats to uh to Gary Williams. Um, no AU athletics talk uh, other than our good our good friend and roommate Ian Lutz, race at George Mason, and uh, lacrosse has two more games left. How about that? They need a win. They are so far winless in Patriot League play. Are they really? Yeah, they're zero and six. Many uh, many of their games they could have swung either way. But, yeah, pretty down. Also, another shout-out, Hall of Fames, of course, couldn't gloss over this. Shout-out to Steve Jennings, uh, women's field hockey coach here at AU, honorary member in the USA Field Hockey Hall of Fame. Now, he was inducted, I think, two years ago we had him on the show, when he 
was inducted to the, the National Field Hockey Coaches Hall of Fame as a member. Now he's an honorary member to the actual U.S. Hockey Hall of Fame. Mm-hmm. Congrats to Steve Jennings. Uh, actually, I made a funny joke about it because he uh, was told yes, announced yesterday, and uh, around the same time they were doing sound checks for the uh, the Chance the Rapper concert. Oh God! In Bender Arena, and he comes walking into the office wanting to ask us a question, but then he was all excited and he was like, "What?" I mean, first of all, I don't think he'd realize they were doing sound checks. So all the bass and our office is sh- uh, shaking, vibrating, and he walks in and he's like, "What's this for?" And then I made the funny joke saying, oh, this is for you. We're putting a, a concert in your honor. And all of a sudden, the song that started playing over the loudspeakers was You Can Call Me Al by Paul Simon. Oh, God. And Where he was, was this? Uh, in the athletic office yesterday. Oh, and he was like, great song. He was like, you know, a Paul Simon concert. And he was like, yeah. So he was super psyched. Uh, another person uh, who's on the hotline right now, Weekly Conversation, good friend of mine, former point guard of the AU Men's Basketball Club team, Marlon Serker joins us, MCraft who opened up for Chance the Rapper, joins us on the show. How are you, sir? I'm good, man. How you doing? Hello? What's up? Yeah, How are you, you Mark? I'm good. Yeah. Can you hear me? You're, you're on FNAC Radio. I'm good. How's it going? Good. Uh, we're just giving you props for opening up for Chance the Rapper. Was that your first time to perform live at anything? Uh, it wasn't my first live performance, but it was my first real uh, live performance in front of, like, you know, a real significant crowd at, like, a real major headlining show. Uh, so it was dope. It was a great experience, man. It was fun. I had a good time. How did you get in, How did you get involved doing that? Um, well, you know, I've been trying to spread my, my name on my, my music here on campus now for the past year or so, maybe a little more. Uh and I knew Cam uh, or Lyrics, you know, who was the opener, who's the actual opener uh, for the show. And he's a friend. Um, and he had told me, you know, that, that he might be opening. Um, and so just as things developed, it just worked out that, you know, me and him had a song together. And, you know, so um, I was able to, you know, talk to the student union board and everybody and then and then be, be a part of the show, um, you know, and go perform that song with him. So. Yeah, no, it was just it was dope. It was just a bunch of people from AU coming together to make it happen. It was fun. Were you nervous? Were you going through the whole B rabbit phase, throw a bit in the toilet before <laughs> you went on? <laughs> no, I mean I wasn't throwing up. Uh, I was definitely nervous. Um, you know, I mean, like I have anxiety anyway, so that like I just get nervous for life. So that was just like you know, just being on that stage in front of all those people was obviously nerve-wracking, but I've been performing a lot more lately, and it's like a muscle, you know, it's the same thing with, like, muscle memory in sports, you know, in basketball, repetition, you know, as as much, you know, when you, the more you perform, the more comfortable you get, and you're always going to get those nerves right before you go on, just like right before a big game, but, you know, it, once you get the mic in your hand, or at least for me, that's that, once I get the mic in my hand, I just feel good, and I'm ready to go. You, would you consider this your big break? Because I understand you're opening for uh, the great Rick Ross later next week. Yeah, no, actually, that's not happening anymore. Um, I was supposed to go do uh, that with Cam. I was supposed to do it with lyrics. I was supposed to do the same thing, um, you know, there. But it was something it had to do with a certain amount of tickets that he was supposed to sell that he didn't end up selling. 
Um, I don't know. You'd have to talk to him about that. Because it was his show. I was just along for the ride. So he said he's no longer doing it, so I'm no longer doing it, which is unfortunate. But I I don't know about a big break. I mean, I, I don't know. I, I'm hoping that, like, you know, I mean, I'm really grateful for the opportunity. And Chance is a huge artist right now. And so and Bender Arena is a big venue. And so it was definitely, like, a huge experience for me personally. But I'm hoping that, you know, it's just the very, very beginning of, of a lot more stuff to come, you know? Yeah, Mullen Serger. M. Craft, as he is as stage name. How soon will it be till we see you perform at the Apollo? <laughs> I don't know. I mean, you know, I'm from New York, so, I mean, yeah, I don't even know, like, what the deal is with that. Um, I mean, I know, obviously, the Apollo is a really historic place, and that would be dope. I don't know how much, like, contemporary rappers go in there nowadays, but that's funny that you brought that up, because I hadn't even thought of that. I'll have to check that out when I go home. <laughs> Absolutely, you know, coach's got your back. Uh, any any yeah, final shout outs you coach want to Mike. Uh, Any uh, any mixtapes or uh, LPs coming out soon? Yeah, I mean, um, everybody, if everybody that's listening should go check out my music. Mcraft.bandcamp.com uh, is the link for my for my debut mixtape that I dropped uh, back in June. Um, so that's a while ago now. I've been working on a lot more music. Um, SoundCloud.com slash mcraftmusic, YouTube.com slash mcraftmusic, Facebook.com slash mcraftmusic, all that stuff. Everyone should check it out. Um, I'm working on new videos coming out soon, and then I'm starting to craft this new project uh, that I'm hopefully going to have out uh, for in fall semester of next year. Um, it will be a, my second mixtape, and it will be really dope. So I'm looking forward to it. Everyone should check that out. All right, he's Marlon Serker, also known as MCraft. Check out his uh, mixtape. Good, good flows, good beats. And uh, also another intramural champion. I did notice that. Thank you once again for joining us here on Fanatic Radio. Yes, sir. Anything for Coach Mike. All right. Yeah, he opened up for uh, Chance the Rapper last night. Uh, Very good. Uh, Had a great line with um, something about how he's Dexter in the lab. Where's Dee Dee at? Which, uh, for us 90s kids, uh, Dee Dee's the sister of Dexter and uh, the same Cartoon wow, Network show. Awesome. Uh, we still have about three, uh, three and a half minutes left of the show. Time for some NBA talk. Yeah. Uh, the playoffs are started. First of all, I want to give a shout out to the Washington Wizards. First time since 2007 when Agent Zero was actually relevant and not a zero. Uh, and also when they had the great uniforms of the black with uh, the gold jerseys with black pants. Wizards are in the playoffs. Washington fans rejoice we are not the most woeful team starving for a first-round draft pick, nope. unlike the uh, Philadelphia 76ers or the Bucks, to name some. But finally, the playoffs are here. Finally, a woeful uh, NBA uh, team. They're almost here. Well, uh, sorry, uh, April 16th, don't they? I believe they do, yes. Next Wednesday, uh, something to look out for. Big surprise shakeup between the ones and twos so far. The Pacers have the one seed. Miami is the two. But um, before we get to the playoff breakdown, your surprises from this year. Obviously, the East Coast was dreadful, and we've seen some of it. In Actually, the, the NBA playoffs starts the 19th. 19th. So that's what? Next Saturday? Uh, next Sunday? Yes. Next Saturday. Yep, next Sunday weekend. 11th. Check it out. And uh, surprises so far. I'll start and say yeah, the Toronto Raptors mm. and the Chicago Bulls are the two for me because – uh, we were all excited when Derrick Rose was coming back. This is going to be a resurgence of one of the NBA's greatest point guards. And the fact that he went through me. all the rehab, made all the Adidas commercials. Uh, great Adidas commercial, by the way, featuring Common and 2 Chains and uh, Detroit's very own Big Sean. 
And then sadly, a couple of games into the season, hurts his other knee. And is out again. So no Derrick Rose. Yet the Bulls still cling on to a four seed. Uh, with players like DJ Augustine, Joachim Noah. No Luol Dang. They traded him, didn't they? Got rid of Dang. So yet the Bulls are the four seed. Ironically, uh, primed to face the Brooklyn Nets. We're coming on a little bit of a run going into the playoffs. It's also the series that we saw last year. And the Raptors. Raptors were a joke uh, way back in the 90s after they traded Vince Carter and Tracy McGrady. A uh, team drafted um, Bargnani. Wasn't he the first-round draft pick? We're number one overall pick. Exactly. That's how low they've sunk. And yet with some managerial adjustments, uh, some Rudy Gay, some not Rudy Gay, yep. some DeMario DeRozan, and other players who I don't know and don't care because I do not think they're as good as they are, made a three seed. That's right. Um, ever, really, ever since the Rudy Gay trade, they've been playing awesome ball. Uh, and Kyle Lowry has been tremendous for them all season long at point guard. He's really developed into one of the better point guards in the NBA. This will be, be an interesting team to look out for come playoff time. Exactly. So before we get to your surprises, just want to remind everyone that uh, Fanatic Radio, the rest of this episode, our NBA preview, can be listened to on the podcast on iTunes. Yes. Uh, check it out on Flo's blog, bflo360.com. We're actually hopefully to get syndicated with Grandstand U. It's another website uh, that uh, we can get some love with. And next week, we will hopefully have a guest on to recap the Masters, uh, potentially talk some IndyCar. Might have Paul Page or Jack Aroot on the show. Stay, that would be awesome. Stay, yep, stay oh, tuned. Fan too. Yep. Also, you can listen to this episode. Uh, Marlon Serker, a.k.a. M-Craft, performed for Chance the Rapper. He's an AU uh, AU student, uh, New York own. But now we roll into NBA playoff talk. Who are your surprises this year? We also, we've mentioned, every time I've asked you this question, you've mentioned the Phoenix Suns. That's right. I'll mention them again, because I thought the Phoenix Suns were going to be awful this year, I probably underestimated the, the – the, actually, no, I definitely underestimated the team, talent on the roster. But I really thought this was a team that – I didn't know who their top guy was going to be. Uh, I didn't realize what Eric Plateau would do with a lead guy. And I liked the Jeff Hornstack hire, but I didn't know what this team – I thought this team was going to be at the bottom of the Western Conference. And, of course, a tough West guy. But now they look like a solid playoff team. It'll be interesting to see them hold on because they're a uh, game – a uh, couple game game and a half up, actually no, a full game. Pardon me, up in, uh, on the Grizzlies, who are in the ninth spot. They're currently in seventh uh, in the tiebreaker with uh, Dallas. But I think even if they miss the playoffs, which would be a shame, but I think this this uh, Suns team has really been. I'll give another shout out to the Charlotte Bobcats. Yes. I thought the Bobcats would be an interesting team. I mean, and then the bottom of the East turned out to be a lot worse than we thought. But Charlotte, you know, you bring in Al Jefferson, who's been awesome this year. Uh, Steve Clifford's done a really good job as coach. It's not a great yeah, after they team. after they fired their the first coach they had. Yeah, Mike uh, Dunlap, which was a, a kind of random hire. Their defense has been tremendous. Kimball Walker's been solid. They've won five games in a row. They're currently seeded in the sixth spot. Probably don't have much of a chance to catch uh, Brooklyn for the five. But I Your think Nets. that's right. So I think those two teams are definitely teams that are been surprising in a positive way for uh, 
for me. For so the NBA se- regular season comes to a close. Big storylines. Obviously, the Heat and the Pacers have been the clear favorites, potentially with a rematch of the Eastern Conference Finals. Saw the- I saw the Pacers play earlier this year against the Mavericks over Christmas uh, over spring break, and they're a very good team. Frank Vogel does a very good job of utilizing his post players, which is something you don't see anymore in the NBA. A lot of it's very guard-oriented. But the fact when he has Roy Hibbert, who's a very skilled big man, and David West, who is a little undersized for a four, but is, yeah. is very is very uh, technical in the fact that he can distribute the ball. And also, Paul George has been playing lights out. Well, not of late. I mean, it was interesting. The team of late has been terrible. Do you, think that'll, do you think that'll affect them going into the playoffs? Uh, I I think right now I think they've won a couple games in a row. Uh, they had a pretty bad losing won, streak. Yeah, so with the Heat, essentially the game they, 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 they actually they barely beat the Bucks for what that's worth. Yeah, hey, we could beat the Bucks. We we could beat the Bucks at this rate. They are they've just looked like a mess of late. So I really think that their last three wins they uh, since. Uh, beating uh, Miami on March 26th, they've only won twice and against uh, an awful Detroit team and a god awful Milwaukee team. I, I think we were everyone was hoping for that that was going to be you know an awesome showdown in the Eastern Conference Finals. Now I don't know if it's necessarily uh, a guarantee they'll get to the Eastern Conference Finals with how mediocre they've been playing. And I think now it looks like it's Miami and everybody else in the Eastern Conference because their offense has just been dreadful to watch. They've completely discombobulated, it seems like. And even the defense hasn't been as strong as he usually is. Paul George, maybe we everyone thought he was taking the lead. Maybe he's not quite ready to do that. He's still a streaky offensive player, which is fine. But everyone thought, oh, maybe he's a, he's a new star, but he may not be that yet. Still a very good team, but when you're having all these issues, you could say, yeah, it's a good thing for them they're having these issues now, but you really don't want to go into the playoffs not playing your basketball because momentum does exist. Everyone says that you know momentum is overrated, but it does exist to an extent. Yeah, so uh, Eastern Conference, you see teams like the Bulls potentially upsetting the Pacers. Uh, I think I think they could. Because... The winner of that Brooklyn uh, Bulls series, if it stands, if the playoffs stand today, that winner of that Brooklyn, because the Brooklyn Nets are a team that is very old but has a lot of experience. That's right. And as we've seen in years past, as we'll segue in a bit to the San Antonio Spurs, experience does win you games. Of course. And they have a mix of youth. First of all, I want to... Uh, to eat my slice of humble pie when the Nets were just as bad as Jaron Berman's Knicks mm. back when we had Berman on the post on the show. That's right. And you and him got in a very heated discussion oh, about God. Carmelo Anthony. And yet we've seen, ever since then, we've almost seen a two opposite teams. That's we saw right. a team loaded with talent, with, with threats of firing the coach, with Carmelo wanting to trade, with J.R. Smith untying people's sneakers at the free throw line. <laughs> With injuries, with no more, with Meta World Peace, World Be Free is gone. Phil Jackson comes in, World and yet they still are two games behind and cannot make the playoffs. Meanwhile, the Nets sweep the Heat with yeah. Mason Plumley. How about that? Just going up and taking one for the team. That's right. And 
you know, the truth has been like has been is all right. KG's all right. Uh-huh. Uh huh. Still got a lot of old guys, but they're a team. If they can get by the Bulls, they could go at least five, six games with one of the top seeds. Yeah, I think they'll probably. I think it looks like they're going to be in that four or five game with the winner playing the Heat. I think Brooklyn would be a tougher test for the Heat than the Bulls. I think the Bulls' lack of you know scoring depth would will hurt them like it did last year. Maybe they'll steal a game like they did last year. The their offense, you, you need still need some offense. The defense could take you so far. I think Brooklyn. I don't. I wouldn't pick them to beat the Heat, but I think they can make that an interesting series. Maybe get out to six to where Brooklyn ha, or Miami has to sweat a little bit. If my if Brooklyn was uh, in the three spot, which I don't think they're going to get, but if, hypothetically if they did get to that three spot, I think then they could definitely get the Pacers a run at it and then get to the Eastern Conference Finals that would take on the Heat. But I don't think that's going to happen. But I think that, but it'd be it'd be an interesting thing like last year. There was no reason last year why the Nets should have lost the Bulls. The Bulls that were missing everybody. Yeah, it went to seven games, didn't it? Yeah, and and the Nets lost. Wait, so the the four or five plays the two? No, they play the one. Oh, so you're saying if the Heat are the one? Yeah. Oh no! Wow, I was I completely I completely fudged that. Just remember, on Fanatic Radio fans, we are. But Miami is only a half game out of the one spot, so I was going on the presumption that Miami was the one seed. Now the other way around, and I think yeah, you could see a Brooklyn Miami showdown in the Eastern Conference Finals. But I think that Brooklyn perhaps could be the only team that could really take out Indiana, even with how mediocre Indiana has been. Maybe Toronto, if Toronto's offense is there. But I, I think that I would put more money on the NBA Nets. is so laughable. It's how many bad teams in their East. Don't don't the East. Quit my friend says that that is a East is a bunch of garbage. To the West we go. <laughs> could San Antonio Spurs make it back to the finals? Uh, absolutely. I think you look at the Western Conference. I really think there are only two teams that could that can win it all. I think it's uh, the Spurs and the Thunder, and I, not the Houston Rockets. I don't think the Rockets. I don't. I think that even if they have Howard, who is a bit of a shell of himself, but still a very good player. He's not. He's found a very comfortable he has. family with the Houston Rockets, I give, and I give him credit for that. All Kevin McHale and became exactly. uh, the dream. Exactly with with how disastrous it fell apart in Orlando than the fiasco was last year in LA. But I think that that, that team, I think they don't have enough shooting at the, from the perimeter. If they, a, a per, guy that would have been a perfect fit for them at like the four would have been like a Ryan Anderson. that could help space the, the post for Dwight Howard. Or a big guy that could shoot. Ryan exactly. Anderson could hit the three. Like exactly. Kevin Panzer. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. So I don't, I don't think Houston's good enough to win the title. I mean, maybe get. I I don't think they could beat the Heat. Uh, the Clippers they've got no depth in the front court, like at all. So I think that's another problem. And so I yeah, really they're going to the three seed. I'm gonna give a shout out that Doc Rivers basically yeah. made them well, yeah. a little better. Oh yeah, well, the I mean, five compared, seed they are. Doc Doc Rivers, who I think <laughs> was a little overrated as a coach. Oh, he's an amazing coach. Like I don't know about that. He did have good talent. But on he Celtics yeah, team. but he, he does look like he when he compared to very Vinny Del Negro. But I, I do think that the the two clear top teams in that conference are the Spurs with how well they play all together, and the Thunder with how amazing Kevin Durant has been and when him and Westbrook are going, they're a pretty unstoppable team too as well. So, but I look at the rest of the teams, 
in that conference, and I don't think that really anybody else can win the NBA championship, take out Miami. All right, there'll be three or four questions I'll ask you, Flo, with the final being who's going to be the finals and ultimately win. Mm -hmm. First off, Coach of the Year, who do you got? Coach of the Year, wow. Um, I think you got to give it to Terry Stotts in Portland. Ah, yeah. Even over over Randy McMillan's job. And the Portland Trailblazers were, I think, once the best team in the West. Uh, they were. They, quick, they quick, Patriot League, quick Patriot League shout out to C.J. McCollum, right. who uh, came back from injury and stepped in as sort of the sixth, seventh man. That's right. You were saying. And I was saying with uh, Portland, you know, how well, how awesome their offense has been. Yeah, the Marcus Aldridge has looked great. Exactly. He's been great. And even though they kind of drifted a little back from what they were when they were competing at the top of the conference, that's still a very good team. They're north of 50 wins already. So I think Terry Stotts, even over a Jeff Hornacek, will be your uh, coach of the year. My coach of the point. year has to be your boy, Randy Whitman. Really? Leading the uh. Wizards to the playoffs because a year, I think a year ago they were a 20-win team, or maybe two years ago. They were the laughing stock of the NBA because I, want, I hope it goes to someone of a lower seed in the playoffs. I don't want it to go to Popovich because obviously he could win. Frank Vogel could obviously win. Um... Doc Rivers, even for that matter, I want uh, the cool if Randy Whitman won because, or even your boy Jason Kidd, considering how bad the Nets were, and now all of a sudden they have been clicking on all four cylinders, or probably three, considering how injury prone they could be. That's right. They're sort of like they're sort of like that old beat up jalopy that you get at the junkyard that it still runs, and you have to you know hit the dashboard a certain way to get the air conditioning to work. That yep. is the Nets. Mm-hmm. In, in a pretty awful analogy, but we make it work. I I understood where you were going. Exactly. So now now the next question. Excellent. We big, love bigger surprise from playoffs teams that didn't make the playoffs of how bad the East was, or how bad the Lakers were. Um, I think how bad the East was this year because I think a lot of people thought that the Lakers were going to take a step back beyond Kobe and Steve Nash. Both aging players, although still very good, um, there was really nothing on that team. I, th- I, but I was thinking before the year maybe the Lakers could be could be fun to watch. You play the high uh, up tempo Mike D'Antoni style. I didn't think they were going to be a playoff team, but I thought they'd be a fun team to watch. But instead, he's gone next year, by the way. Oh yeah, I, I, he's I, out. I'm pretty certain that he'll be gone. Uh, but I think the, the how bad the East, the bottom of the East, ended up being. But I, I do give him credit. It does look like we'll at least have seven teams above 500, just that eighth spot between the Hawks, who are worse than I thought they would be, and the Knicks, who have just been a complete train wreck. Because yeah. the Hawks are 35-43, and 43, right now that's an eighth spot in the playoffs. So I think the East has been, at least the bottom has been a little better in that we're at least getting teams above 500. But I think that the bottom of the East still has just been, because I thought the, the East, I felt like a team, I felt Cleveland was overrated from the get-go. Um, I thought Detroit was going to be a lot better than they were. They've been a train wreck. I thought I thought the Knicks were going to be, I didn't think they were going to be that good, but I definitely thought they'd be better than this. So I thought they were also overrated, but I still had them as a playoff. Now they've been a mess, and they're going to have to fight hard just to get into the playoffs. Yeah, ever since I think ever since uh, certain players went west, I had an idea the East would be bad. We always have the teams that, you know, everyone we talk, we've talked about this before in FR. 
Uh, that could a college team beat the really bad NBA team? Yeah. That's sort of a given the East is bad. I'm surprised how bad the Lakers were this year. Yeah. They are certainly currently a game ahead of Utah for last for last place in the West. I understand the West is very stacked, but in the end of the day, they're all they're all human. They're all guys that you know. We obviously obviously we check the scores, and the Indiana Pacers almost lost to the Bucks. So playing on, on the NBA professional sports, teams are pretty much equal. And that's why you can go play, play video games like Madden or NBA 2K. Teams are like a 92, and then like the really bad teams are like an 89. Yeah. They're very even. The fact that the Lakers were this bad, and yeah. that they had no one, as soon as Kobe Bryant went down, as soon as he, uh, Steve Nash went down, it, it's just a joke. Uh, it's funny because they're, you know, them in New York, two of the most high-profile teams, were just woeful yeah. this year. That's right. I think the, the Lakers, you know, being bad was. Um, <laughs> was funny, you know, considering what is going to happen to him, yeah. uh, the potential of Kobe Bryant. If Kobe Bryant comes back, he's just going to be a joke because he's going to be trying so hard to yeah. prove critics wrong. <laughs> it's like, yeah, we'll we'll see how hard it is to get an eight seed in the West next year. Kobe Bryant needs to retire. But I think he still wants to chase after that uh, Kareem Abdul-Jabbar record. Which, I mean, he's on pace. Yeah, I mean, well, I mean, it would have helped if he was playing this year. Yeah. But it seems like a team realized, yeah, it's a fiasco. Yeah, exactly. Right. Uh, number three, uh, most valuable player. Uh, I'm thinking it's going to go to Kevin Durant, considering that this guy has had uh, the lowest score this year, the lowest point total this year was 13, and that was three games into the season. Yeah. After that, he has scored more points than you can shake a stick at. Uh, and the fact that he played without Russell Westbrook had multiple 50-point games. I'm surprised he achieved his career high this year as well. I think he got like 52 as his career, or 60. Did he score 60 this year? I don't know what he has scored this year. He had a career high, and I'm surprised it was his career high, considering how flat out he just balled out this year. That's right. Oklahoma City currently has second seed in the West. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, prime prime pick to win MVP, or could uh, King of Akron win it again? I, I think it's going to be Kevin Durant this year. I think that, of course... You need to – the thing is, and we've talked about it before, you need to have a hell of a year to beat the best player in the NBA, Mr. LeBron James, to be the MVP. But I think Kevin Durant, with the incredible year he's in, of course, LeBron's been incredible as well, but I think that you got to go with Kevin Durant with, with the edge to win his first MVP. Surprise is only his first MVP. Yeah, well, I mean, considering that the other guy that's been winning MVPs is LeBron James. Yeah, and uh, finally, before we uh, close out the episode, bid the viewers adieu. Uh, NBA Finals, who's going to win? NBA Finals, uh, I, you know, it is very tough to three-peat, especially down the stretch because you've been playing for so long. But I still think the Heat are going to do it. Really? I think the Heat are going to beat the Thunder again. That would be my projection right now. And I think the Heat will be your your three-time champions. First I'm time a- since the Lake Show. That's right. Um, I'm going to disagree with you on that. I think Indiana could turn it around because uh, there, are easy, there are many ways to get LeBron James frustrated. Dwayne Wade is old. Chris Bosh is old. Mm-hmm. You have guys coming off the bench who are, eh. Also, they've seen each other so many times. This, this Miami Heat team has not changed much since when they started two years ago and lost to my Dallas Mavs. Shout out to them. Shout out to them actually making the playoffs. And also shout out to Dirk Nowitzki becoming the 10th all-time well, leading scorer. Well, they haven't scorer. made the playoffs yet. I know. It's funny. It wouldn't be surprised if they didn't make it. 
Uh, interesting story at the Mavericks, but I, I digress. I think uh, Pacers could win. And plays the San Antonio Spurs. I'm going to push and say both one seeds if it stands. Because I think San Antonio will win this year, and I think the three guys from the Spurs will retire. They need that one championship. And Tony Parker is you know, almost 40 and is still playing like he's a teenager, which is great. And they have so many skilled players. They're not, they're not the most athletic team of the bunch, but they are the wisest team coached by a great coach, and they have a system that just works and that can, you know, Tim Duncan, you know, has really bad post moves, but gets to the line. You still have guys that can shoot the ball. You still have young talent that does well. Then you have guys off the bench like uh, like uh, Danny Green sometimes, uh, Bellinelli, the three-point champ, and uh, Boris Diaw. I want to give him a shout-out. He's still playing, and yet he is like, he's a guy that like, can throw the perfect backdoor pass. I think the Spurs are going to win it this year. I hope they win it this year. It's about time basketball is taken back to its purest form of it takes five guys to win, and maybe even six or seven. And we got the funk. Oh, well, uh, glory be, the funk's on me, Bobby. Keep that funk alive. Keep that funk alive. Mm. Well, it's 1975, and we'll just be keeping the funk alive. It's now time for our critically acclaimed segment, Tweets from Flow. We won't go to his Twitter, but we'll go straight to the blog, BFLow360, where some very hilarious and interesting content has been bubbling to the surface. Flow has been the watchdog on all the moves in the broadcasting media world, including our good friend Tony Reale going to Good Morning America. Sad right. to see him leave to go to sort of network corporate. Well, I think it's uh, definitely a great move for him, you know, get a bigger profile. He's always been, when you talk about the big names at ESPN, he's always been kind of an under-the-radar, but he's always been, he's done, a, done great work around the horn. He's going to stand around the horn, but that's going to move to New York with him. And it looks like he'll be on Good Morning America maybe two or three times a week. He'll be their social media guy. Another sports guy that they've added, you know, they added uh, Michael Strand, who will be a contributor in their first hour. All famous three hand. That's right. And But he will sadly be leaving, pardon the interruption, where he got his, really became known as ESPN star back in 01, a stat boy. Good uh, for him. Definitely guys deserve something like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, Josh Elliott goes to NBC Sportsnet. As you're saying, the, yeah, he's going to NBC Sports. Or NBC Western of what? They want what? they want to make him potentially the next Bob Costas, which or the, and the next Matt Lauer potentially as well. A uh, prime candidate to do that. Another funny thing that I actually watched this video as well. Uh, your friends at Fox and Friends. Fox uh, and Friends first. Yep. Uh, I'm not going to go into who these people. The names are jokes, obviously. Uh, Miss uh, Miss said the NCAA with the NAACP. And then the best part about it that happened uh, the next day because. Because I think uh, Wolf Blitzer did this like five years ago or something like that as well. But uh, a guy in MSNBC did it the other way. He was uh, introducing a former head of the NAACP. And he said, NCAA. NCAA of the NCAA. God. And, I mean, he immediately corrected Why don't they hire us? I mean, they should. We're skilled. We're qualified. That's right. We win awards. We're popular. And we don't make mistakes. Not intentionally, of course. Mm-hmm. Um. And also, sadly for the fans, uh, Graham Burns will not be performing uh, Can't Touch This. He will next week, though, when he's back in the studio. 
we have given our intern the day off. But it was great seeing Mike Greenberg dance to uh, Ice Ice Baby wearing the MC Hammer outfit. Very hilarious. Uh, to finally end the show, uh, Oscar Pistorius was, uh, did a testimony a couple of days ago. He is pretty much primed for life in prison, isn't he? Uh, I think so. I think uh, the defense is starting to fall apart. And I think essentially, for whatever it's worth, I think Pistorius is done. And that will be the last of the end of the Blade Runner in a shocking fall from grace. Yeah, and now uh, an interesting topic to end on. Should his medals be stripped or should he keep them? Um, I think he should keep them because usually medals get stripped if you cheated while in their performance of, um, you know, if you were like using, if you were doping or whatever. I think um, for this, I think he should keep his medals. And I I think that opens a gray area. You're going to take medals away from a guy, not because of what happened in the performance, but because of something that happened off the field. So I don't think he should lose his medals. So. Interesting. Um, I'm I'm sort of on the fence with this. I agree with what you're saying. Mm-hmm. I wouldn't be surprised if the IOC did something with him, though, because he, that's completely the opposite of what – the Olympics stand for. That's right. Let alone you have a guy who has a great story in London and then just goes off and, you know, commits a murder and could ultimately face life in prison with the South African Court of Justice. Uh, what does that make it? What, what does that make it look like for uh, the Olympics? Uh, also, uh, to quote Ian Lutz, not a big fan of the Bla- big fan of the Blade Runner, but not a big fan because he doesn't like it how he go he can go from competing to. The action, the, the 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 regular Olympics, uh-huh. and then go and then just dominate the Paralympics the next week. Ian Lutz is saying that he if, uh, if if another person like that happens again, once you go up to the big time, once you go to the big Olympics, that's it. You can't go back down to the Paralympics. That's an interesting point because you've I already committed to compete with the best. That's like saying, that's like uh, for baseball. You know, if a healthy Derek Jeter played a game with the Yankees and then they just brought him down to the minors. Dominate them. Come back up. Play next week. Whatever. Also, finally, Tony Stewart's uh, scooter was auctioned right. off. Sold for $22,500. How about that? Uh, shout oh, out. And what a scooter. Also, uh, to finally end the show, uh, great to be back once again. Uh, and, and just and from Thursday to Tuesday, I have experienced sort of the real-world scenario. I... Missed my flight because of traffic and electrical problems on the Amtrak. Oh, you did miss your flight? Yep, went on standby twice. Blew my first red eye, got in at kind of Dallas at like 1 a.m. Oh, oh, you mean going going to Dallas? Yep. Okay. Uh, flew a very late flight. Wait, why'd you miss your flight again? Uh, traffic and uh, electrical problems on the Amtrak. Because the Baltimore... Are you flying at the BWI? Yep. Um, did that uh, experience my first rain delay at Texas Motor Speedway yeah. but it was great to work on Big Hoss TV the unveiling of that and the Duck Commander 500 I got uh, some free Duck coming. I got a Duck call yeah which is very cool I got go. to meet a lot of those guys to meet Larry the Cable Guy <laughs> among others uh, oh, and then I got to actually experience changing my flight because it was delayed or because uh, the race was delayed so uh, good to be back uh, we're back on the air next week hopefully some good guests lined up for you stay tuned check us out on Facebook Twitter B4360 Grandstand U for all of us here at Fanatic Radio, 
Ben Florence, Mike Gardner saying so long. We'll see you next time.